Hi and welcome to the School Should Be podcast, a chance to hear from students, teachers and professionals to learn about all the things school should be. My name is Zahara and I am the founder of School Should Be. I've worked in schools for the past 10 years in a variety of roles from a classroom teacher to an education consultant. Schools are clouded by so many barriers, however my experience has shown me it is possible to overcome social and economic hurdles, archaic curriculum structures and be part of the unlearning process that our students and teachers need now more than ever. This podcast will explore a variety of themes, topics and viewpoints, all of which can make school a better place for students and teachers. I hope it helps you learn and smile along the way too. Please do leave a review, share and help us grow the School Should Be community. Right, let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the School Should Be podcast and today I'm really excited and very um, privileged to be joined by uh, Matt Messias. So Matt, you are a leadership um, and resilience coach and uh, Matt was um, a head teacher in the UK as well as internationally in New Zealand um, and today what we're going to be talking about is how students can develop an athlete mindset and how teachers and schools can facilitate that and the reason why Matt is the best place to talk about this is because Matt um, was also a football referee and has refereed for the Football League, the Premier League, um, UEFA and FIFA too. He, um, whether I, I think it's quite famously, but Matt famously had um, coffee and tea with David Beckham which I think is pretty cool, um, and also knocked out Robbie Savage. Is that right, Matt? That's the one. I wasn't known for any refereeing ability on, I may or may not have had. It was the <laughs> fact that during a game, uh, Newcastle United against Birmingham, I knocked him out. I gave a free kick against Alan Shearer, no less, and um, directed with my arm the way that the free kick should go. Robbie was jogging along, minding his own business, and I cracked him on his hooter, knocked him out for two minutes. And it was voted ITV Premiership moment of that year. And you have a very large bottle of champagne um, to, to, to as, as testament to that. Certainly did. I, I was awarded a Jeroboam of champagne, no less, for the feat of uh, knocking out probably a player that everybody wanted to knock out, let's be honest. <laughs> I just think that career history, Matt, is so rich um, and valuable. And we met a few years ago on a training course and I remember when you were telling me about it, I was so, I had just started, like I, I, I had only recently started reading about the athlete mindset mm. um, and my sort of interest in it began with reading Angela Duckworth's Grit, um, where she interviews and the book is brilliant about, and I talk about it a lot with regards to the athlete mindset and the case studies that she explores in it on developing the grit, the resilience um, that's associated with the athlete mindset. But I'd love to know a little bit more about that. There's a lot of grit that you've had to um, harness and develop from being a head teacher, working in schools with students and teachers, but then also working on the football pitch with Premier League high profile footballers in what is actually a really demanding role. Yeah, I think I'm in a really privileged position in that I, I get to uh, lead and coach and, and motivate people across education, business and still sport. I still work with sports people and I utilise those lessons that I learnt as a professional football referee, as a head teacher, as a mental health instructor for Mental Health First Aid England and as a resilience coach. And probably the biggest lesson of all is about athlete mindset. Because when we look at elite sport and in particular success in elite sport, um, I think it's a striking uh, metaphor for success in work, in life and for young people in school. Uh, there are real parallels with success, sport and education. Um, having a clear vision for success goes across sport and education. Uh, setting targets, achieving goals, hard work, perseverance, dedication, bouncing back when things don't go well for you. They are uh, characteristics that can be developed across business, education and life at school. 
and I think that, 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 that that's what we're going to be exploring today is how as much as what you know I know we've mentioned Robbie Savage David Beckham because they are the hot we almost students and you know the average person like me will see the end product on TV or on the football pitch um, but you've seen the work that goes into that and goes like the, the, the and even even for you being a referee I can't imagine that was as simple as running around on a football pitch <laughs> <laughs> well the, the, if only it was that simple Zahara and we could all do it um, uh, I wish <laughs> I think one of the key factors really was developing resilience because everybody can't wait to tell the referee what a bad game he or she has had they can't wait um, if it's not on 606 on the radio on the way home from your game when everybody's saying what a terrible referee there is um, or you read about it in the newspapers or on social media everybody says it's the worst referee in the world um, you've got to develop resilient behaviors that's absolutely critical that you learn that it's just other people's opinions and it should not affect your own mindset, your own confidence and self-belief. And that I think is like, that's a great kind of first lesson in a way, um, especially um, picking up on social media, which we know has a massive impact on students. And I don't think we can talk about it enough um, in terms of, the mental health difficulty difficulties for students is not even just for students really for adults has gone through the roof the pandemic has exacerbated that um but like you just said it is just pe other people's opinions um but how do you that that's a huge part I guess of the athlete mindset because athletes also as do young people and all of us have to deal with so many opinions what sorts of things can students as like a starting point do or think um, or maybe even not do to develop that sense of grit and not caring about other people's opinions um, which is so important to that mindset that you're talking about. I think when we look at elite athletes we've got to recognize that they weren't always an elite athlete they were 12 or 13 years old they were 16 year olds with all the troubles and trials and tribulations that teenagers have mm -hmm. they weren't always successful um, and so understanding having perspective that it's important to embrace failure um, and use it as learning opportunities, I think, is, is something that can be learned. So, first of all, these behaviours can be learned. They're not individual character traits that you're either born with or not born with. Um, I think it's important for young people to dream big. Mm. Think about what, what they want to do eventually and dream big. And, you know, if many, many famous people have, have said that... Um, Dreams give us hints and clues about how we want our lives to be. And so that's critical. And then I think one of the fundamental characteristics of, of mentally tough sports people, people have developed a, uh, a strong, positive athlete mindset, is goal setting. Mm. Goals are dreams with legs, essentially. Okay. They take you where you want to be. I think it's also important to take responsibility, own your attitude. Don't blame others for, for yeah. things that aren't going particularly well. Um, so own your attitude, own your behavior, own your results, for example. Uh, we have choices as to how we respond to things. And I think successful athletes who have that positive athlete mindset are able to do that better than most others. And is that, I think the, one of the key things you said so many key things you said that especially about responsibility choice and that it's not something that is um you're born with like we all have the ability to learn and that that I think is quite key for young people because when they see especially in a school setting which is still very linear like you and I know that it's still very much based on targets on results the schools with the best will in the world they 
it, they are still judged on results and that, that mm. university path, which is so traditional. As much as you can do non-traditionalist subjects, it's still such a traditional trajectory. Mm. Um, how That is such an important lesson for students to embrace in a way that they can learn it. How do they, how do they go about what might be some of the things they can do or even parents and teachers can do to support that learning because like you said it isn't as much as it's an individual responsibility on the student's behalf yeah and it's a choice on the student's behalf we also have a responsibility of enabling and creating that environment around them mm -hmm. so how do we how, how can you find that balance between the two the student and the teacher so that they're both working together to create that mindset? It's a good point. I think it is a dual responsibility, as you've mm. outlined. There has to be a, a school or whole organisation responsibility, and also there has to be an individual responsibility. Mm. I think in schools, teachers, the major role of teachers is to help individuals um, discover what their talent really is. Mm help them discover what their passions are. And then when that's been achieved and that could take years, it might not um, come to the fore with some young people till about 14, 15, 16, 17. Mm. Once teachers have helped discover that or parents or carers for that matter, then give that child every opportunity to help that passion flourish. That should be, um, supporting that student um encouraging creativity yeah recognizing that success comes in many different ways it shouldn't just be like the sausage factory of going through school getting the best academic education you can and then going on to further study no it's not like that for the majority of people um and i think parents teachers have to accept that children are going to make mistakes just like we make mistakes every day I stuff up every day as, mm. uh, in my job as a leadership coach working with young people as a husband as my wife regularly tells me <laughs> as a dad as my two boys regularly tell me I stuff up and it's recognizing that we're going to make mistakes and we need to um, therefore practice forgiveness for the young people yeah. they're still learning about themselves and trying to forge their way in life amidst all the pressures they're under um so it really, I think it's our job as, as parents, carers, teachers, to create a culture that precedes performance. Uh, and I think examples nice have done that. Um, the All Blacks talk about culture precedes performance. The All Blacks are one of the most successful sporting teams in history. Mm. And I had, as you know, the, the privilege of, of living and working in New Zealand for six years. And I got to experience almost firsthand their culture. Um, and they say that better people make better All Blacks. Mm. So I think a real encouragement for young people to, to give of their time to others, to be neighbourly, to, to foster a spirit of uh, community-mindedness, if you like. You're doing things for others. It, it gives us self-esteem and boosts our, our, our own mental health, emotional health as well. I think they're all lessons, but it, it does come around to the importance of creating that environment that culture where success in all its many forms can be encouraged and celebrated. That's so, that's so interesting, isn't it? Because like Angela Duckworth also writes about um, the All Blacks and even I was listening to another podcast recently with Rio Ferdinand and he talks so much about the culture mm. um, of his team and how every single player had 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 a responsibility of adopting that culture for each other so it was like a team spirit as well as an individual um responsibility and it's so interesting isn't it because I always find I mean as you know like I trained as I've always been into fitness trained as a personal trainer on the side of teaching and what I found really interesting was that subjects like PE and um the, the, well they're only done like once or once every two weeks for certain mm. year groups at school. Um, they are then um, turned into extracurricular activities. There was even that, I don't know whether you remember, I think both of us commented it, 
commented on it on LinkedIn, whereby a school had stopped football, like they'd stopped sport yeah. at break and lunchtime. Why, why do you think, if that is so intrinsic to the athlete mindset, that sense of play and learning to fail and team spirit and the culture of like working to like sport is a finite game but it's got that kind of infinite mindset of like you just keep working to do better why do you think schools parents sometimes carers why do they stop it would you say like how how, how do we come like it's the first thing that sort of goes when an exam's in trouble or a subject's in trouble like what why why would you say that is and how can schools overcome that I guess I think that um, a lot of it comes down to pressure mm. and how people deal with pressure and how organisations, how schools deal with pressure. There's lots of external pressures on head teachers, for example, uh, to, to get fantastic exam results. Mm. And that then becomes, because that pressure, they then um, take that pressure and they then put that onto their staff. So then the staff are putting pressure on the children. The parents are putting pressure on their children to get great academic success, because that is how success is dressed up mm -hmm. in our society, that it's about academic success. And therefore, when a head teacher is looking at subjects on the curriculum, sometimes it's the most creative subjects which go out the window. Yeah. And, and when we look at, the skills that the young people are going to need in the future, according to the World Economic Forum, for example, they say the number one skill that children are going to need in their challenging, competitive, uncertain future is creativity. And what do most, a lot of schools do? They stunt creativity, as you said. They also say that, com say that complex problem solving is a skill they're going to need. But again, it's almost as if in some schools, it's rote learning as opposed yeah. to be creative, take risks, take challenges, stuff up, fail. Um, you know, some schools have got it. Some schools really do that well. They, they, they really encourage creativity. They encourage uh, collaboration, working things out together. Um, and these are the skills, negotiation, persuasion. These are the skills that the children are going to need. Um, and yet sometimes um, we discourage creativity. So the pressure is it for me. It's, it's how schools, teachers, leadership teams respond to pressure. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's having that vision that success is different for many, many different people. It's diverse and it comes in lots of different ways. And that's, that's what really we to encourage. And it's interesting about that point you make about creativity and like that's the first thing that goes for adults. And I guess mm. if, we, if we were to go into the psychology of it, maybe that does go back to even the personal lived experience of creativity when they were once younger. Right. Like in terms of even when I like my as you know, like my son, he's, well, he's going to be three soon and. I'm always trying to encourage play and that creativity. He is surrounded by screens. It's it's mm. so hard to keep a, that just not that I you know he does watch a bits of TV here and there, but that distraction is mm -hmm. there. Um, equally, then when I'm on social media, you see parents from a very young age pushing tutoring, pushing um, right. It's time to get them in mainly tutoring of some sort but it's like that there's a mat there's a, there's a bit of a clash there I guess generate society socially as well um mm. which is something to uh to overcome so it's not just a school's responsibility like you're saying it's like a culture that's mm. kind of it's greater than just school really it's how we all look at success and how we all look at the athlete mindset Absolutely. And um, you mentioned, Zahara, about managing distractions. Mm. That's what elite athletes do well. They manage their distractions well. Um, they're able to shut out all the external noise and just focus on the, the, the key traits and characteristics that are going to get them to be successful. Um, and if that, Sorry, mm. I was just going to say, but how... Because I'd like, I'd like to think people listen to this podcast and people have said to me before, they'd love to be that. They'd love to be that person. <laughs> um, ha, 
like when when I think of Lewis Hamilton or um, I know we mentioned Beckham before and you know I wanted to even touch on like Marcus Rashford mm. they are not just brilliant athletes but they've done brilliant things like in terms and like you said somehow they managed to cut out those distractions somehow they they're like all of us like you said it's a learned skill the athlete mm. mindset can be adopted by us all what are some of the small practical things you would say they do that we could all do in in an ideal or not even in not an ideal world but we could all start doing well recognize that achievement takes time it doesn't happen overnight we're with, with our social media world and how we seem to celebrate celebrity mm. um let's just recognize that most success doesn't happen overnight it takes years and years and years of practice, you know. Um, and so the top players that you mentioned, people like uh, Marcus Rashford, for example, the lessons he can give uh, young people growing up, the, the importance of um, practice, practice, practice. You're getting home from school, don't go on social media, don't go on TV. That's not going to help you be your best. Yeah. It's practice until it's dark. Practice everything you can to get better at what you do. And, um, and I think, you know, you mentioned Rashford is a great example for young people because it's not just about him. Yeah. He's given to others. Look what he did to encourage the, the government to do a U-turn on free school dinners. Yeah. He's given to yeah. others. He, he recognises where he's come from and he's not letting his past um, dictate his future. So it doesn't matter what we were born into, where we've come from, what our background is. It's a recognition that we we can choose. You know, success is not necessarily a matter of luck. Yeah. It's not necessarily a matter of genetics. We can we can choose to be successful, but it's yeah, it's those skills of developing resilience, recognizing that failure isn't permanent, seeking to surround yourself with successful people, people who can help you on your journey to success, whatever that might be for you. Recognizing that um, it's important to be optimistic rather than pessimistic. Being honest with yourself when you stuff up, holding your hands up, I've stuffed up there, but, but learning from those mistakes so you don't repeat the same mistakes. Um, you know, building that team around you who will support you when, when you when you when you're down and when you suffer setbacks that's absolutely critical mm. and recognizing that you know failure is not permanent countless examples i used to love what growing up following michael jordan he was my hero um you know michael jordan failed to get on his high school basketball team when he when he was 15 16 he he then goes on to become the world's greatest ever player of all time uh, gaining more award, awards uh, earning more money, winning more games, scoring more points than almost anybody in the history of basketball. Mm. But he didn't count his high school basketball team when he was 15. Yeah. So what did he do? He listened to advice. He, he listened to coaches. Look at two of the most successful sports people out there. Um, Serena Williams and Tiger Woods. They've, they've achieved longevity despite having lots of setbacks in their lives. Um, they recognize the importance of ongoing coaching. They, they've got built a team around them to help them. They seek self-improvement. They're always looking to improve, even though they've been number one in the world for probably more weeks in their respective sports than any other athlete on the planet. Yeah. They're still seeking to improve. Um, they're honest with themselves. They're honest with their progress. Um, yeah, and they recognize that that success is a journey and, and we can always get better however good we are so from that I'd say patience is a huge uh I don't know it's a skill maybe a trait to harness to really practice focus on like going back to that word focus mm -hmm. it's really it, I get it like we all when, when I speak to students especially in my role like you mentioned diversity and like um that kind of sense of adaptability so as much as we've all we all have different backgrounds and of course circumstances I'm not saying luck is a well 
I, I do think luck plays a part. I know many people think luck isn't a thing. It's not. But I think to some extent that there is a sense of luck. But like you said, we've got to learn to adapt and change. And it's, it is resilience, but it's also adaptability. So don't let your circumstances define your future and therefore have the patience, have the focus um, which is why, like you said at the very beginning, goals, dreams on legs, that is so important. Mm -hmm. Perhaps perhaps that's the first sort of thing we start teaching um, children. Yeah. Um, and even that, I don't want to, I know people talk about toxic positivity and stuff, but that positive mindset. So even language that you use, so like with my son, for example, yeah. he's now going through a phase of he can't do anything, you know, like, the first time the Lego block falls off the tower, can't do it, everything goes down. But it's that sort of like, no, you can, we can do like, kind of like what Glennon Doyle says, we can do hard things, we've got to keep going. But he's technically in a fortunate position that I'm that person, that parent, that, you know, we're in, a, we are fortunate, we are privileged in many ways. We mm. can create that environment around um, him what about children um, who you and I both know, we've both taught children um, who don't have that environment around them? How can they, because I, I fully empathize and appreciate that there are so many children in this country and, and across the world who we know are brought up in circumstances which nobody would wish mm. upon a child. How can they, would you say, I know that's probably perhaps quite a big question, what sorts of things would you say if they were ever to listen to this podcast, which I hope they do, how can they develop or even just start thinking about the athlete mindset mm. in a way that isn't based on privilege, but perhaps is more equitable? Well, I think if you look at examples of phenomenally successful people in sport, many of them came from very humble backgrounds. A very poor background. It, it wasn't a silver spoon type approach where parents gave them absolutely everything they wanted. It was you've actually had to battle against adversity. You know, I think of uh, Ronaldo, who's favourite yet again at Manchester United, um, and is always rivaling um, Lionel Messi to be you know who, who's the best player in the world. Look yeah. at their humble beginnings, their humble background, both from poor backgrounds, born into poor families. So. There's no secret to success. It's, it's hard work and dedication. You know, we've, we've both talked about the importance of dreaming big. I bet those two, when they were seven, eight years old, they had role models in their life they could look up to. That's why going back to the likes of Marcus Rashford, mm -hmm. who is a role model now for, for young people growing up from poorer backgrounds. Um, but if, if you haven't got the supportive environment at home, for example, well, I think adopting a no blame attitude is important. Mm. Um, we are not products of our past necessarily. We can change. We've got the ability to change and, and, and move ourselves up. Um, we've also got to recognize that life has its ups and downs um, and we shouldn't let whatever's happened to us in our past define us mm. as people, but it's that attitude. It's that, attitude that we can all succeed but you've got to have a vision steve covey and his seven habits of highly effective mm. people started talking about start with the end in mind you've got to have that vision that's why i talked at the start about dreams you've got to you've got to know recognize what you're good at and what you're not so good at what are your areas of development what gives you passion and joy most of us are going to have to work for 40 to 50 years of our life well, I can't think of a more boring life than doing 40, 50 years of work in something you don't love doing. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So follow your passion. Research about it. Find out about it. We've got Google, for goodness sake. That tells you everything you need. Yeah. Google, research people who are successful in whatever you want to do. Research it. Nag people. Find out. Interview people. Talk to people. and Find out what made them successful. This is how we learn. It's you know, it's a lifelong commitment to learning and getting better. So it's not necessarily being born into a, a loving, supportive 
environment. It's owning your attitude, doing something about it, being resilient, and then creating that environment around you for yourself as you start to progress mm. by researching success and surrounding yourself eventually with people who buy into you and being honest with, with yourself and with other people. Honesty and integrity, two critical characteristics. And that, that's so, I, I was, I, as you know, I listen to podcasts and read a lot um and there was a there was a line on a podcast I was listening to today um that said you are your best safety net um so like you just said like that no blame attitude it is difficult it's one that does take a lot of like focus patience it's very it's almost like it is easy to blame like it is easy to have that strop to be like to have that sort of outburst and and we see you know like you've probably seen it so much on, on the football pitch and in the and and in lessons we've all both seen it at school mm-hmm. um but it was really interesting because it said you've got to like you literally just said you've got to carve out your safety net your environment the people you surround yourselves but you yourself by to then build that level of success um, and part of your work or a big part of your work is um supporting young people and professionals with their mental health which mm-hmm. is a huge but a massive part of the athlete mindset because it's about the mind obviously um, and and recently you know with with the pandemic especially we have seen young people like the rising um uh the demand for cams for example in the Mm. uk um there is so much research um that is suggesting that young people's mental health has suffered i don't i can't i don't know the percentages off the top of my head but you know from reading the research at school it it's quite it's really scary it's really worrying and i recently had a really interesting conversation with a few students um who had done some of the free mentoring with mind and the charity mind and what I found really interesting was that um they we were talking about being feeling anxious having a bad day and then also suffering from or um, experiencing what might be medically diagnosed as depression or anxiety And it was really interesting that the students didn't necessarily know the difference between the three, but felt that all three should be treated in the same way. And that then, that then I found was a bit of a barrier to them developing that athlete mindset in that there is a difference between having a bad day and potentially I don't know I might be completely wrong in saying this but having a bad day to struggling with long-term depression or anxiety um which is awful too but how and I know like you said it is the teachers and and school's responsibility to create that culture goal setting representation in the classroom how how can students stop seeing it as a gray area because I find it has become a bit of a gray area now whereby this is how you manage a bad day this is how you manage anxiety and depression because I'm guessing that probably comes up a lot in your work with students especially yeah um number of different things there um I think it's it's, it is important to uh, differentiate between having a bad day and a general 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 anxiety disorder for example or, or depression i mean the, the clinical definition of depression is um two weeks you're, you're suffering you're experiencing uh, the low mood for two weeks so having a bad day or not feeling you want to get up in the morning we all go through that but you've got to recognize that that is perfectly normal yeah and and, and secondly i think it's important to say that Whenever anybody's feeling like that, they're not alone. Mm. As you said, um, post-pandemic, with the lockdown and so on, it's it's, it's affected a lot of lot of us in in many different ways. Um, and one disadvantage is has been the upsurge in mental health issues, if you like. I think it's important to say as well that mental health is like 
physical health in that recovery is highly likely. So when we are feeling anxious and we all feel anxious, that's a natural bodily reaction. Um, I failed my driving test twice because I was so anxious. I could drive well enough, but when I got to my test, you know, I, I had the feelings of anxiety, the heart beating faster, the sweaty palms and the tightness in the shoulders and tightness in the body, which meant that I didn't perform at my best in the test. I put too much pressure on myself. We all experience periods of anxiety. Speaking in front of a large audience for the first time, people get anxious about. So it's recognizing that that is a normal, healthy emotion. You know, fight, flight or freeze is, is, is a reflex that, that we all have. Um, so that's really important. And, and to say as well that people recover from physical health. I've got a cold at the minute. I'm going to recover um, when I have felt anxious about something. Or I know colleagues or uh, family members that have experienced bouts of depression. They have recovered. So that allows us to have a perspective that this is part of life. Life has ups and downs. Life doesn't always have an upward tra trajectory. We're going to hit bumps in the road. We're all going to suffer adversity. We're going to have a death in the family. We're going to lose a loved one. There's going to be a breakup of, of a loved one, uh, of a partner. Things are going to happen. And that's why it's important, I think, to have that perspective that it always isn't always going to be like this you've made me think about what um, parents and carers can do for young people mm. and it's keep the lines of communication communication open because sometimes um, we tend to sweep difficult things under the carpet we don't talk about challenges we seem to forget that when we were 15 or 16 uh, we experienced these problems uh, or issues or, or concerns or anxieties and so therefore keeping the lines of communication open is critical for a young person himself to realize that it's so good to talk 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 bottling things up will not help um, so talk to talk to somebody who you trust you know, build that team around you. When, when you've undergone adversity before, who helped you? Was it, what is a, was it a teacher who really, you really trusted? Was it a, a parent? Was it, was it an uncle or auntie you looked up to? Um, was it a coach at your football team or netball team who, who you look up to? Who is it has helped you in the past when you, when you underwent a time of adversity? Because you know what? I bet they can be there for you again. So the importance of, Building that supportive team around you is critical. And also, it's, it comes back again, Zahara, to things like the importance of what you can do for yourself and exercise. Exercise lifts the mood. It's, we know all the studies that have shown the link between physical activity, you know, taking part in physical activity and gives you a boost of your mental health, your emotional health. And that's really important. Um, and I go back again to doing things for other people. When we do random acts of kindness for other people, we get a boost for our emotional health as well. It makes us feel better. We've just gone through Christmas, which is celebrated for a lot of us in our society. We give presents and we feel better about giving yeah. and receiving. It makes us feel good about ourselves. So we've got to look to ways that, yes, what we can do for ourselves, um, but also to uh, form that supportive team around us. That's really important too. Yeah, and like uh, so, so many good points there, Matt. Like especially about the language of communication, because I think um, with I always bring it back to social media sometimes for young people, because getting them to literally just disconnect from Instagram, Snapchat, or even just leave their phone somewhere, like it's the one thing that is like almost attached to their hands. It has, and I guess the pandemic. I get it, like in terms of online learning or um, just having to look at a screen or maybe just being in a book all the time um giving students the language of communication as well so helping them with simple things like sentence starters or um, oh Zahara I've got to tell you when I when I text I frustrate people because I had colons semicolons yeah. <laughs> my grammar on my text is exemplary <laughs> and my boys are like what did that mean I get stick all the time. Oh, Dad, have you seen your text? You're not writing an essay. <laughs> no, I'm not. 
I'm just trying to communicate as I would speak or as I would write. Oh, it's you don't so know about important. That. <laughs> You're behind it, Dan. <laughs> no, but it's, as an English teacher, that makes me really happy. But no, it's so. But even like even the language of I know like lots of workplaces use emojis now in terms mm -hmm. of judging feelings. There are so many like going back to what you said about creativity. There are so many creative ways of using language, but language is communication. So unless we're teaching students, and it is like you said, it's a skill. Like not every child, especially again children who might feel like they're introverts or who might who may struggle with um certain elements of neurodiversity all of those things they like you're saying they can be overcome to achieve the athlete mindset if we figure out what it is the student wants help them with goal setting work towards their strengths almost train them in this take responsibility take responsibility for your success your focus your patience um and your happiness i guess effectively um to then be the best as, as opposed to giving in to comparison syndrome or which i know is something that was like like you said it's a it's a lifelong struggle imposter syndrome comparison syndrome the blame game they're all lifelong things that we just have to keep battling with and as long as we're okay with knowing they're always going to be there, then it's perhaps easier to work against them too. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned um, the impact of social media. I've, I've got to say it's not all negative. I mean, social media was vital for some people um, during the pandemic. Um, for some people, not going to school was a real positive yeah absolutely yeah and they've, they've surrounded themselves with a supportive network on the internet so i think it's important to recognize there are some real strengths and and youtube um is a great learning tool yeah if i need to learn to change the tire on my car i'm going to go to youtube <laughs> um god forbid this ever going to happen <laughs> i should have a growth mindset i will get better <laughs> at uh, uh, car mechanics but uh, it's unlikely um, at my age of 57 <laughs> now we can all learn um, but yeah, you, you mentioned as well the power of language and the power of communication. Absolutely critical when we think about mental health. Um, we mentioned um, the language around mental health and the stigma that is probably still associated with yeah. mental health. We have to be very, very careful about the way we use language uh, because um, I think all of us could learn to listen more rather than talk too much. And as teachers, uh, uh, sometimes uh, we're, we're guilty. We can't wait if we're having a, a conversation with a young person who's opening up about a, an issue or a problem they might be experiencing. We can't wait to jump in with a solution sometimes. Mm. Whereas what we really need to do is listen and communicate non-judgmentally. Learning just to listen. Because you can guarantee if we jump in and we look shocked, for example, with our body language, what a young person is telling us, and we come out with statements, glib statements such as, what? what are you worried about? There's nothing wrong with you. What do you mean? What have you got to be worried about? Well, that is language that doesn't help. That is judgmental language. And you can guarantee if a young person was going to tell you something which was really troubling them, if they see that type of reaction, they're going to stop. And yet you can be the lifeline for a young person in need or in a time of trouble just by listening and communicating non-judgmentally. So in terms of the athlete mindset, as opposed to in a school environment and even in a home parent carer environment, don't see yourself as the sort of protector parent teacher at that point, but like, literally see yourself as a coach because coaches are there to listen mm. and not give you a solution but guide you so that you find if that's right if I've got coaching if, I, if I've understood coaching correctly um and for you have. you're empowering the individual to come up with their own solutions to the challenges that they might be facing yeah we're not telling them how we may have approached it because we're not always going to be around for a young person or, or a coachee, whoever we're coaching. We're not going to be around. They've got to make the decisions for themselves. And, and relating that to the athlete mindset, the best coaches in the world in sport, um, 
enable their players, the team members, to make decisions for themselves on the pitch or the court or the field of play. You know, it's not barking out instructions on the sideline like it used to be. Well, you're in a fast-moving game. You've got to make decisions for yourself. You've got to be put under pressure in practice to actually then know how to perform when the pressure's on. Mm. That's when you can tell a real elite athlete from the merely outstanding or very good it's that ability to perform under pressure mm. and you have to be able to make your own decisions when i i work with um golfers yeah um, who are trying to be the best they can be um and i've got a better caddy and coach in terms of mental preparation when i say very little and i, and I try and judge the body language of the player um, and how i can enable them to make great decisions on the golf course um, and it's judging mood. It's that emotional intelligence uh, I've had to improve in all the roles I've had of, of being aware of others, being aware of language, having empathy, um, having understanding, um, actually thinking about uh, the decision making process and recognizing emotions in others, mm. self-regulation. All these are, are really important skills. And, and Daniel Goldman, who I, who I follow on on LinkedIn, the guru of emotional intelligence, said yeah. that emotional intelligence is twice as important as academic intelligence in determining workplace success. So it's a tuning into our emotional intelligence, be whatever role we've got, be that a teacher, a leader in a school, as a coach with a team or an individual. And it's got to be about empowering the individual to find their own way to success and gently nudging, cajoling, encouraging along the way. And I was just, just to end on them, because I know that, you know, you, you, you have uh, your sons are is it teenagers. Yeah, 19 and 17 year old. OK, yeah. so come to the end of the teen process. We're yeah. secondary trained, so deal with teenagers all the time. I find there's a lot of support around behavior, positive behavior, encouragement for toddlers and, and, and that primary school age. But when it comes to secondary, which is why I started really school should be, there isn't that much for secondary parents and um, teen parents or teen te even teachers, really. Mm. Like you're saying, absolutely, we need to encourage. One of the key things with the athlete mindset is that perseverance, that responsibility. And um, when a teenager is like, no, not doing it and they walk off you know i've experienced it they might swear at you in the classroom yeah they i've might... experienced that often yeah and all of it like all of it to the point where even as an adult you're like i am done <laughs> i can't <laughs> deal with this anymore what what would be just to end on your sort from an athlete mindset point of view a way to sort of get past that barrier for parents and teachers and even teens themselves? I, th I think um, having the ability to put ourselves back in the shoes of what we were like as a young person, however old our children are, be it be as a parent, me as a 17-year-old, we've got to realise the teenage brain um, is still developing. I mean, none of us are the finished product. <laughs> We'd like to think we're all learning all the time, but we sometimes set unrealistic expectations on children, be as a teacher or as a parent. And we're then surprised when they don't match our expectations of them. We've got to realize, you know, let's have the frame of reference. What was it like? What did I think like when I was 16? What were my opinions on sexuality? What were my opinions on race? What were my opinions on uh, politics? Because I tell you what, my opinions now as a 57-year-old were a lot different than they were at 16. Yeah. So, so when I'm chatting about some maybe some challenging topics with, with mm. my boys, it's, I've got to put myself in their shoes and be understanding and be empathetic. And again, not being judgmental um, and letting them speak and actually listening, actively listening rather than trying to say, this is what you need to do. I've learned this in my life. Oh, you've got to do it this way. Well, no, <laughs> they're not going to learn that way. Yeah. So having that frame of reference, putting ourselves back into the shoes of the young person in front of us um, and recognising that their brain is still developing. 
and it's being flooded with hormones mm. um, which will dictate their responses in any different situations they still they still think that um, everybody is judging them they still you know a lot of them still feel that um, they're the only person in the world and I know it all well you know okay we all did didn't we we all thought <laughs> I, I was 16 17 I thought I was going to rule the world I was going to be prime minister um, whatever so we've all thought that um, so let's just you know, take a little step back and realize they're not going to be perfect yet. The brain is still developing um, and they respond the way they do because of that brain uh, function and, and the development stages that, that it goes through. It's really important to recognize that and, and laugh, have the humor about situations yeah. that happen. I think humor is important for all of us, isn't it? To see the funny side when we stuff up. For sure. And I'm guessing athletes probably have to have a very you as a referee probably had to have a very high like sense of humor <laughs> for sure and you know and admit mistakes laugh at yourself when i've made the most horrendous errors you know you've got to laugh at ourselves we stuff up you know when i've seen a player balloon apparently over the crossbar um you know sometimes or, or they they do something they shouldn't do it's things are funny yeah and that's humor we just got to laugh at ourselves and it it helps us not take ourselves too seriously i think yeah, yeah. Oh, Matt, I could speak to you for forever because I think there's just still so much to talk about. But people can, schools, teenagers, workplaces can get in touch with you to to do a bit to do more deep work with regards to the athlete mindset, leadership um, coaching um, and working with students as well, because you have experience in it all. Um, yeah, I, I still work in schools, colleges, universities. I work with leadership teams. I work with middle leaders, aspiring leaders. I work with year six students on raising aspirations, year, year 10, 11 students. Um, I work with parents and carers. Um, and it's www.mattmessiahs.co.uk. Perfect. Thank you so much, Matt. And I'll put those details um, in the podcast um, uh, brief. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Like, it's been so interesting speaking to you about it. And I, I just love how like there's a not necessarily like you're saying a solution to everything, but the athlete mindset is very much about adaptability, resilience and that focus. Just keep focused on you can achieve what you want to achieve if you adopt the principles of the mindset, because it, it's just not possible without that. But it's a long term process. It's not something that happens overnight. Yeah, you've got it. And it's thank you for the opportunity. It's been no, a it's been opportunity for me, a privilege for me. So thank you very much. And, you know, if, if, if David Beckham happens to, you know, listen <laughs> to this podcast or, you know, you happen to have coffee with him again, just tell him we all said hi. <laughs> my wife said I've got skinnier legs than David Beckham. Oh. So I'll do something about my, my genetics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Matt, for your time. Pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please do leave us a review and share it with your friends and family so they can also learn all about what school should be. Until next time, speak to you soon.